Welcome to IAOP Summitcast, a podcast featuring sessions from OWS that you may have missed the first time or would like to replay on your own schedule. Have questions? Email us at info at IAOP.org and we'll connect you with the experts. Enjoy this encore presentation. So the topic today is how digital enterprises are redefining supplier management excellence. And I'll let you read more about this in the outline details, but uh, got a guest, uh, one of my clients, um, Eric Nicolades, and I'll let him do the, his introduction. Prior to that, I'm the Chief Customer Officer of Syrian Labs. We're an AI-enabled contract lifecycle management solution, and we target uh, global 2000 companies. Uh, Eric? Uh, hi, I'm Eric Nicolades, CEO of Wildcat Equity Partners. Uh, we're a diversified family uh, investment firm in uh, several different sectors, infrastructure, media, consumer products, and pharmaceuticals. And um, we had for some time been looking for a supply and contract management tool, um, had had a number of negative experiences with uh, different vendors and were happy to find Syrian and um, and we're happy to share some of our experience uh, with Syrian today. We'll use a uh, we'll use a Q and A format, make it more like a fireside chat. The first question, Eric, what are some of the biggest risks for companies when it comes to their supplier ecosystem? Yeah, um, I think uh, today, especially with the pandemic and uh, disruptions in uh, delivery and availability and production, um, it really comes down to three things. One is availability of product. Uh, knowing what you need um, is going to be there. Um, we've seen unprecedented lead times uh, across our company with different vendors uh, of all sorts. Um, and so availability and transparency and availability is really important. Uh, the second, which um, uh, has always been true, but is again in this context, um, I think very relevant is cost. Again, um, being able to either identify low cost providers or enforce uh, contractual pricing. Um, we've seen in a number of cases where unit costs are, are in some cases even doubling um, in our pharmaceuticals business where we have a significant need for things like gloves, for example, uh, because of COVID and, and other factors, um, we've seen the price of gloves uh, more than double. And so um, being able to have um, long-term supply contracts that protect us against runaway pricing is important. And really the third is compliance um, uh, in both directions, uh, making sure that we have visibility uh, on our side that we're complying with contracts, payment terms, things like that, uh, but also um, making sure our customers, or sorry, our vendors are delivering um, what, we, uh, what we expect of them. No, that was, that was great. Those were the ones that I would hit. Transparency was the one that really resonated for me. Um, another question popped up. You've worked with companies at different stages of enterprise building. How do things change as a company's supplier ecosystem scales and becomes more global? Um, well, I think there are a number of things uh, that happen with scale. And, and we have a, a unique business in that 
Uh, we invest in, in startup enterprises that may only have a couple of people initially, uh, and then much larger organizations that have hundreds of people. And so um, we see this, this problem uh, both in managing our own portfolio growth and scale, but then also um, in the portfolio company level um, as their needs evolve. And, and the one thing I would say, just to reframe your question a little, um, especially with today and the uh, remote working environment um, that we see uh, across the board, you know, uh, companies like ours and other companies offering remote work options and things like that. Um, I actually think it's not just a question of scale anymore where these things are required, but um, as we're distributed uh, as an organization, um, you know, it used to be you have 50 people in an office, um, you knew everyone's name, you could basically reach them uh, almost by shouting. And then as the company gets bigger and bigger, you may not know everyone's name, but people are often in one location still. Now you may only have, you know, 10 or 20 people in a particular company, uh, but everybody's in a different city. It almost feels like you're running a global enterprise. So um, I think the, the principles uh, of global supplier management and a global ecosystem apply now to companies of all sizes. Um, but that being said, I mean, the main things, um, particularly on the CLM side, which is where we you know, are, are driven the most to it, um, are really defining processes. Um, you know, I don't believe you can throw tech at every company problem, but it is a good way to channel and funnel um, behavior. Uh, so really enforcing a contract process, um, you know, one of the challenges we had prior to Syrian was, you know, people not even knowing what their signature authority was. So an NDA comes across and a junior person just signs it with the best of intentions. And now the company is questionably bound um, to an agreement. And, you know, it's months later before we even know about it, like that sort of thing um, really can't happen, really shouldn't happen at any company. Um, but again, because of being distributed now, we're feeling that a lot more. Um, so contract process and adherence to contract process is really important. Uh, also just contract visibility. You know, we've got agreements that go back 10 plus years, um, some still in force, some not, uh, but being able to even reference those um, in any kind of meaningful archival way. Um, unfortunately, just flat file server directories um, really don't enable that. And so I think uh, for us, particularly with Syrian, uh, the AI components that um, they offered, and uh, we were actually able to bring on about 10 years of legacy data in, you know, really a matter of weeks, as opposed to um, what had basically been a um, never-ending project that just never really got done. Um, so, uh, so finding contracts is really important. Hand in hand with that is the metadata that details what's in a contract. So again, great, I've got a file folder somewhere, I can go through 100 full, uh, files to find something with some amorphously labeled PDF, or I can actually search for keywords, search for metadata, search for counterparties. Um, it, it, really, um, it really becomes essential, I think. And then finally, um, in any contract, and this we touched on a little bit in terms of supply, um, is really being able to track deliverables and payments and sort of knowing what our obligations are, knowing what our counterparty's obligations are, knowing when those obligations end. Um, the classic example is uh, renewal periods. Does anyone really remember when some of these contracts get renewed to the day they're four years old? Maybe new people are in place. Um, with an organization like ours, 
uh, there, there's no way for us to really adequately track all that if we don't have a system like this. And so um, that's another real benefit that I think these tools in general bring, but Syrian has, has really excelled at. I think that the global economy and the supplier ecosystem, based on your point about centralization, decentralization, has really opened up um, people's eyes, uh, both uh, from an operations, a financial, and a compliance perspective around the ability to, to select the right vendor. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not just really selecting the right vendor, even based on those criteria, it, it's all about the relationship. And, and to your point, the ability for you to integrate the technology, but adding the right people, processes, the right structure in place to make informed decisions, that's more of what this is all about. So the ability to have, and, and this will be a theme throughout our discussion, insights and actions around the ability to, to interact with your supplier ecosystem. So uh, points well made. I know you've made a lot of progress in the time that we've been working together. So appreciate calling those out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really been a key enabler for us. And, and, and I agree with you. Insights, um, uh, having data to manage becomes even more essential in these uh, distributed or scaled uh, environments. And you know, if you if you don't have KPIs that you can really track, and that's really not, I would emphasize it's it's no longer just a marketing term or a you know esoteric business concept of okay, we're going to create these targets and will we hit them? I mean, now that's really um, uh, almost the only way you can truly manage and have the visibility that you need. And I think again, um, that's something that we're uh, looking forward to using more as, as we get more time into Syrian and, and frankly, get more data into the system, being able to go back and really optimize around some of that stuff. How do the challenges increase in uh, regulated industries? I know your portfolio of um, equity relationships, equity partners, Wildcat equity partners is extensive obviously, but what are some of the challenges and how do they increase in these regulated industries? Sure. Um, so one one good example of that is um, uh, both in our pharmaceuticals group and our consumer products group uh, both face um, uh, supply relationships where we we are ultimately responsible for what is given to us. So you know, needing to document things like um, uh, certificates of uh, analysis or um, you know, verification that, you know, raw material is what it says it is and that it's been tested appropriately and things like that. And then um, subsequent to that, actually keeping those records in place so that they can withstand an audit. Um, so uh, so in, in regulated industries, I think the paper trail and the audit trail becomes even more essential. Um, you know, it's not just about good, you know, bookkeeping on our end to to know where the invoice is or, or that sort of thing, but really uh, being able to show uh, in an audit um, uh, that, you know, look, this was received, this was the certification for it, here's the documentation. And again, having, you know, an integrated system that handles supply and, and contract and some level of document management with an audit function, um, that's, really, uh, that's really an essential piece of it. I um... I've talked about this for the last, gosh, 10, 12, 15 years even, the ability to have good governance with your suppliers, good compliance with your suppliers, 
and, and I've had the benefit of working uh, on both ends. And so I've built governance organizations, vendor management organizations for large companies, and, and then also went back and did some internal audit work to look at and highlight um, the issues that could have arisen if they did not have a, a platform, a solution, kind of that in integration of people, process, and technology in place. And I've, I've, I've talked about putting internal audit out of business. So making it really easy for internal audit to walk into a vendor group or look at your contracts, uh, look at your supplier ecosystem and be able to um, fix the problem, I guess, or identify and not find any problems in this case. What are your thoughts on that? Um, no, I, I think that's I think that's right. I, I think, again, and this is the theme we keep coming back to. Tech can't solve everything, but it can streamline process and it can simplify process. And so I think um, from my perspective, um, you know, uh, having that visibility uh, does a lot of your audit work for you. Now, that doesn't mean there is an exception investigation or if something doesn't look right, you need an actual, you know, human to go dig in and, and, and evaluate what's going on. Um, but I think having, um, uh, having that data at your fingertips and, and frankly, in, in an, a semi-automated manner where you can get exception um, uh, reporting brought to you proactively, uh, that, that absolutely one reduces the stress of not knowing whether something's going on or not, but also reduces the cost um, because you really need less people than to monitor exceptions as opposed to proactively go look for problems. Let's talk a little bit more about technology. I know you're a big believer in technology, have invested in automating the contract management process at Wildcat um, and, and your portfolio companies. You know, this question is more pre and post pandemic. So what role do you see for technology in this area, especially as it relates to the post pandemic world or maybe how you're doing things differently? I know when we prepped for this, you had some really good insights. So if you can share those. Sure. Um, I think, you know, the, we were already uh, at the beginning of 2020, we had embarked on a group wide effort to bring um, technology kind of to connect both the parent organization and our portfolio companies. And so we, we began a complete um, kind of refit and also integration, um, bringing everyone onto the same accounting platform, everyone onto the same expense and invoice AP platform. Um, so Syrian was part of that effort, obviously. Um, and, and that project in, was initiated and was kind of green-lighted in like early February. And then what was interesting was, you know, that was just a, hey, this is a good thing to do, good housekeeping kind of activity. And then the minute the pandemic really started to show its teeth and it became a culture-defining phenomenon as it's become, um, it looked like we were just really proactive in, in response to the, um, the pandemic. So what I would say is, I think these principles are just good business management and good process for any company that's growing rapidly or that has a distributed workforce. However, I think the pandemic has made it um, that much more um, uh, needed. And then I think in the areas where you find that, um, uh, one is uh, standardizing and centralizing. So again, um, you really, the, the term I hear over and over from different vendors is uh, one source of truth. 
whether that's a financial system, whether that's a contract system, um, whether that's a project management system, um, you know, controlling the data and knowing at least one reference point that you can uh, uh, nail down is really essential, especially as you have different systems that are interacting. Um, we're in the sort of API generation where everything can talk to anything, um, but at the same time, really understanding where the data truly lives as a primary source um, is essential. So I think that's an important piece. Um, the second piece that goes with that is, is visibility and analytics. So again, you know, you, you've anchored where it is, now, um, uh, now you need to be able to track it and monitor and interact with it in a useful, useful way. Um, if you don't have good data coming in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, so appropriately you know, sourced, meta-tagged, kind of organized data that you can then really look at is essential. Um, and then I think a final piece is collaboration, because again, um, something we've worked very hard at at Wildcat is this idea of how do we actually get people to use these tools? So you know, we can have the biggest IT budget we could imagine, we can have every flashy tool, but if people still you know, revert to Excel spreadsheet kind of management for files or um, you know, or keeping everything in a personal OneDrive, a personal, that'd be even better, a OneDrive, but a personal Dropbox or a personal box or whatever, um, actually getting people to use corporate tools and corporate systems is, is really important. And so if people aren't drawn into the process, they aren't interacting, they aren't part of the solution, adoption becomes another big issue. The final thing I'll say that we've confronted, and I think it's an ongoing process for us, is really how to deal with app sprawl. Um, there are so many tools that can do so many different things, many of which overlap. Um, you know, this system may be a great project management tool, but it's got workflow capability, or this tool is, you know, really a networking tool, but it also has workflow ability. And so it's like, you know, you could have 50 different versions of the same thing, you know, um, uh, with the best of intentions in terms of procurement. So I think one of the challenges on the customer side or the user side for us, and I would say to any other customers of yours is, again, to identify what the one source of truth is, identify how people engage with it, and then use as few number, uh, few tools as possible to accomplish that. And so I think where you can integrate, where you can you know, define a clear end-to-end -end process that this tool is for this process, that's really essential. One of the things, um, just to follow on to that, I mean, when we think about companies that, that use digital really do have an advantage and advanced contract lifecycle management with AI, you know, those, those clients that are leveraging it, it really does become a game changer. And, and we've got this concept of past, present and future. Uh, the, the past being, okay, how do you go back and get all of those contracts that you've done throughout the years that are in our CEO, Ajay, will sometimes say shoeboxes. Those contracts are in shoeboxes wherever they are. How do you get those into a place and um, get them read into a system so that you can react to them? The present is a negotiation. So the ability to do a negotiation of those contracts with, those, with that supplier ecosystem, with those key relationships. And how do you do that efficiently and effectively? 
And then the third piece is the future. And this is where I think the biggest value is. So the ability for an organization to track the deliverables, the obligations, the payments, the financials, the business case, what we sometimes refer to as financial benefits realization, and even the performance tracking for the future, all of those are critical to proactively manage your service provider and the ecosystem of suppliers that you have. And the second one, and I know you've touched on this quite a bit, and it's, it's, it, it, I don't know if it's table stakes, but it, it, it's really important is the an analytics. So the contract analytics and how do you drive actions? Sometimes I'll say things like, look, it's, it's, not a, it's less about checking the box for compliance where you create a report. It, it, it's also the ability to do analysis on that. And then what action are you trying to drive? What insight do you have so that you can, again, proactively manage that, that service provider if it's a, if it's a large uh, outsourcing type uh, relationship. So it's really about insights and actions, but that past, present and future is critical uh, for organizations as they think about where do I, where do I start and, and where do I go and how do I get there? Thoughts on that? No, uh, yeah, I can, I can give you an example that came to mind as you were talking um, for us, one of the sort of post implementation steps with Syrian that we're, um, starting to work on is um, really building a model clause library and template library for documents. And, you know, there are a couple of different ways you can do that. You can go to your general counsel or your kind of primary outside law firm and say, here, give me a generic set of, of clauses that, you know, we should use every time. And, and, you know, there's a role for a part of that. The other is to look and say, well, what have we used over time? And, um, and what are sort of preferred terms we know for the types of people we deal with um, in a more sort of personalized manner. Okay, we know this counterparty likes this kind of uh, alternate dispute resolution language, or you know, typically this is how we get around certain issues of uh, exclusivity or non-circumvents or whatever, whatever might be a sensitive topic. And so, you know, rather than just taking a generic set of, oh, these are, you know, ABA approved uh, terms, really having your own proprietary language and, and resource, I think is really important. But then how do you do that? So great, if we're all sitting here on this call saying, that's fantastic, I want that for my company. Um, again, if you don't have analytics and you don't have an AI layer, an abstraction layer, the way Syrian does, uh, I mean, you're looking at a gargantuan activity to try to pull hundreds or thousands of documents and try to come up with any kind of real read on that. And so I think for us, now that our contracts are, are in the system and, and we, we have this abstraction layer, one of the things we'll be working on over the next few months is really trying to uh, systematize and, and, and um, make our process more consistent and our language more consistent. So ideally an NDA for any you know, asset across our portfolio basically looks the same, conforms to the same policies. But for us, it's a little chicken egg, but it needed that data input first to be able to do that. Great. What kind of benefits are possible as, as, as companies migrate into an advanced CLM? Um, well, I think the the, most obvious one is time savings. Um, you know, the, uh, the number of clicks it takes to send around 
even a, a template or look for a template and then get someone to sign off on it and legal forgets about it or somebody else forgets about it and it gets stuck in an outbox. I mean, email is, and I think people often talk about how do you replace email in terms of daily communications, whether that's with Teams for chat or Slack or things like that. Um, email has lots of benefits, but if that's your main workflow tool, it kind of is a little bit like my Excel spreadsheet model earlier. Um, there are general tools that are not necessarily process oriented. And so I think um, being able to save the time simply of, hey, where's that document I've asked for for a week now? And being able to have a real time dashboard that says, okay, this is pending. I know who to call and yell at now um, is really important. Similarly, in the interchange with counterparties, tracking different edits, multiple versions, comments back and forth, um, anything you can do to automate or, or simplify that process um, is going to save you time. So that, that's, that's a big one. Um, uh, just on the AI piece alone, uh, I would posit, um, although we haven't uh, done the full calcs on it, um, just in the amount of time and money saved by not having to hire additional staff or, or reassign staff to you know, personally go through every document, every contract, write up the metadata, organize it somehow, um, that easily paid for our investment in Syrian. So I think there are things like that, that just one key function justifies the entire investment and then everything else is an added benefit. Um, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, the other uh, is certainly um, uh, giving our, our company better visibility into the data we have, into the contracts we have. And anytime people are more informed, um, they can do their job better. Uh, it ideally helps to uh, reduce disputes or at least uh, allows us to prepare in advance for them. Um, uh, you know, a common example is people simply don't remember what they signed. And we see this all the time with not just suppliers, but other transactional counterparties. If a document is a, or a contract is one that's living for, um, uh, you know, a longer period of time than just say it's a one-off transaction, uh, a year later, you're scratching your head asking, well, you know, was this due, wasn't this due? And so again, having that visibility and having that part of the work for, uh, workflow is a huge driver to reduce um, uh, impairments of, of really cooperation with, with counterparties. Um, and then finally, I think the, the other significant number here is, is just the reduction in transaction time. Again, if I have to find an attachment, attach it, send it, compare is that the right version or not, on and on and on, um, it becomes uh, it becomes a much bigger process just to sign something like a simple NDA or something like that. And so I think having an automated process, which is in ultimately a few clicks away, uh, makes a big difference. We've got some stats that we've been tracking. One of them that I wanted to highlight, we've got up to about 10% of contract value for IT and business process outsourcing contracts. We're, we're seeing there's a savings potential in an invoice validation of up to about 10%. Um, normally I would quote four to eight, but we're actually tracking as much as 10%. So companies that have um, had these outsourcing relationships, they do look backs over the previous 12 months, there's almost always savings. So that's one that we've been capitalizing based on the use of technology to help our clients kind of think through what they're trying to do there. 
the, the second one that often comes up is, well, all right, how much of the manual effort can be reduced through automation? And that number is about 60%. So when we work with clients to kind of build out their business case, I usually do kind of a 50% number, but up to 60% of the tasks and activities of vendor management or governance or supplier management could be automated with different tech technical platforms. Uh, the, the third is 80% reduction in disputes through improve, improved transparency, alignment, and collaboration. And the last one, and you've hit on this, and I, I don't, you know, we've done some benchmarking, 40 to 60% faster contracting times through AI-powered uh, contract authoring and negotiation. So we're seeing, obviously, the, the quality increasing, but the speed also increases. So those are some of the benefits that, that we've been tracking and, and wanted to share those with the audience today. Uh, the last question, we've got about, I think, four minutes. Um, the last question, recent survey by World Commerce and Contracting revealed that 82% of companies surveyed are planning to make material investments in automated, automating their contracting process through CLM in the next 12 months. What's your message? You've been on this journey. What's your message or advice to those executives who are thinking about investing in a CLM? Um, I, I think my, my first message is um, now's the time to do it. Um, I think for us, as I said, we, we were evaluating um, the need or we had identified the need for this several years ago and it just kind of kept getting pushed further and further down the road. Um, and for us, a big barrier was actually the legacy data. How do, what do we do with all these contracts uh, in the past? And it, it almost became such an overwhelming task that it that it we kind of found reasons not to not to do this. Um, I think with AI the way it is, and particularly with Syrian offers there, um, that whole big barrier just vanishes. I mean, I, I can't you know emphasize enough. There's a lot of tech and a lot of promise around AI, but but we had such a flawless experience, particularly on that uh, data ingestion piece. Um, I mean, really, it was. We had a harder time, you know, finding uh, the files than we did actually getting it to Syrian and, and, you know, you log in and it's there now. Um, so, so that, that, that is a big incentive and a big driver that I think now enables people to do that. So really my advice is, you know, don't delay the decision any longer than you have to. Um, and the second is every day that you don't have a system like this, you're losing out because that's another day's worth of contracts that go to the legacy pile that aren't necessarily getting the visibility they need, aren't getting the analytics they need, aren't getting the tracking they need. So um, the problem gets worse every day effectively. And so um, this, is, this is an area where, you know, I think the technology has reached um, a critical uh, threshold. Um, you know, particularly with Syrian, there's incredible flexibility um, in terms of how to customize and how to make this system your own. So you don't necessarily have to compromise, um, well, this is how we do things or we need everything done in triplicate or whatever the unique requirement is that can be accommodated for in the digital realm. Um, but, but the analytics and the, the value you get out of the system really just can't be beat. I, I, as the chief customer officer of Sarian Labs, I'd like to thank you for not, not just helping us today, but uh, being a customer and looking forward to uh, interacting, engaging with you as we, as we go through this continued journey. Any, any parting comments from you? Uh, not, not, not really. I, again, I just think I uh, want to thank you as well. Your team um, 
really has done a terrific job. Um, some of the most reliable, best communicators I've probably ever seen, um, and, and I don't say that lightly, uh, just incredibly accountable team that you have. Um, and you've done a great job, Mark, and we, we appreciate the partnership and look forward to working with you uh, for years to come.